Welcome to Harrison Church. Thank you for joining us this Easter Sunday. Please enjoy this morning's message from Senior Pastor Shane Page. This is Easter. Christ is risen. Too weak. Christ is risen. Yes, it is finally here, the day of celebration. Uh, I'm Shane. I'm usually the one up here preaching on Sundays, and if you are visiting with us, friends and family, thank you so much for coming on this glorious day. I'm going to get right to it. I'm just going to read from John's Gospel. I'm going to be in the 20th chapter of John, if you've got your Bible and want to follow along. Otherwise, we will have the words here on the screen behind me. I'm going to invite you to stand, though, as you are able, for the reading of the Easter story according to John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together. It's like they're racing. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, And he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. And I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Um, Late last year, I don't know who it was, uh, but this person uh, nominated me uh, to be a part of some team of other United Methodist pastors whose job it would be to meet every once in a while and to interview these people, we call them candidates for ministry, to interview these people who are thinking about going into full-time ministry. 
And uh, I accept the nomination. I've been doing this, and it's the strangest thing in the world. I mean, I can remember being a young kid, you know, thinking about doing this, and I had to a- answer all these questions. Now I'm on the other side of the table interviewing all these candidates. It means I'm getting older. I know what that means. All right, so we met for the first time back in December. I didn't really know what was going on, and uh, I remember the first couple of uh, interviews that we had, I just listened to the uh, other pastors kind of ask the questions. I didn't really know what to ask, and it was nice. We had good conversations, but I can remember this one uh, uh, candidate in particular who came, was interviewing, good conversation, and she just happened to mention the word Easter. She just said Easter, and I just kind of perked up when I heard this. And uh, so I thought I'd follow up with her, and I said, uh, well, tell me, what, what, does, what, what does Easter mean to you? And she said, Easter means God loves you. And I said, yes, it does, and I'm not going to deny that at all, but, but tell me, I mean, what does Easter then mean? Like, what happened? What, what were the disciples saying happened on Easter? And she thought for a moment, she said, um, that God loves you unconditionally, and he loves you. And I was like, no, that's not the answer I was kind of looking for. So I kind of coached her for a minute. And now the Easter question, you should know this, it's like become my thing on the committee. I'm asking everybody that. And the reason Easter has become my thing is because we have kind of turned, I've noticed this, we've kind of turned Easter into some kind of, you know, fuddy-duddy, mushy-squishy thing. Uh, that, that happened to the disciples, when Easter's not that. Like Easter, Easter is the announcement that changed the course of history forever. Easter is more than the announcement that there's an afterlife, although that's part of it. And it's certainly more than the announcement that uh, optimism is better than pessimism. Now, Easter is the announcement that the body, the man, Pontius Pilate put to death on Friday, the body that spent its life just ministering to the nobodies, that touched people nobody else wanted to touch, the body that ate with disreputable people, so much so that the religious folks got angry with him, the body of Jesus, the flesh and bones of Jesus of Nazareth on Easter Sunday, God raised the tomb was empty, there was nobody there. Nobody at all. He was bodily raised. I mean, the tomb into which the authorities tried to lock Jesus, that same tomb could not contain him. And now he is as alive in his body as you and I are right now. And as a matter of fact, he is more alive. That's Easter. I mean, the disciples, all of whom the gospel writers say were complete income poops and cowards, the disciples after Easter, man, they, they weren't cowards anymore. They hit the streets. And they were fearless to say, we've seen him in his body. He's alive. He really is the Lord. Even when the authorities would say, if you don't be quiet, we're going to kill you, the disciples would say, I don't care. Put us to death. We know that death is not the end. We know that Jesus Christ is the Lord of history now. They became fearless in their proclamation. You know, it's interesting. If you read your history, Jesus was not the only one who went around Judea and Jerusalem saying that he was the Messiah. There were other men who said that they were the Messiah. But once that leader died, or once that leader was put to death, guess what happened to all the followers? Oh, they dissipated. The movement of those people, it just faded right after the death of their leader. 
And on Good Friday, it looked as if the movement was over. It was ended. The disciples all dissipated, just like everybody else who followed a would-be Messiah went away. But after Easter, the movement did not die. It just grew and grew, and now it has taken all over the world. That's why I believe. I mean, Jesus really is the Son of God. It makes no sense unless this happened. I mean, we can learn from the Buddhists. We can. You can actually learn something from philosophers like Aristotle or Socrates or Plato. You can actually learn something interesting from uh, philosophers like Nietzsche, who was an atheist. You can learn from them. You can learn from other religious leaders like, I don't know, Confucius. You can learn from the writings of the Hindus. You can even learn something from Muhammad. All of those great religious teachers, all of those great philosophers in history, they all have the same thing in common. They are all lying in their graves. Only one man is alive from the dead. Only one grave is empty, and that is the grave of Jesus of Nazareth. And God did not raise Jesus of Nazareth so that we could just look at his teachings and say, well, isn't that interesting? Isn't that that cool? No. God raised Jesus Christ from the dead to say to all of us, follow him. He really is the truth. His way really is my way in the world. I didn't raise anybody else from the dead. I raised him. I mean, now today we know, we know, that when Jesus said crazy things like, love your enemies, when Jesus said crazy things like, forgive those who trespass against you, when Jesus said crazy things like, your life does not consist in the abundance of possessions, Now we know that when Jesus said, whatever you have done to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you have done to me. Now we know that when Jesus said, beware the danger of riches, today we know that's true. That's the truth. Now we know what God wants. Now we know on whose side, if you will, God is. Jesus was raised. The man who said all of those things was raised. i got to tell you. If they found his body somewhere, if, if Jesus' body is exhumed at some point, if, like, if, if his bones are really lying in the ground somewhere, turning into dust, forget this. Forget it. You know, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, you go and worship your opinion, I'll worship my opinion, and we'll come up with our own way of being religious, and we'll just live our lives the way we want to live our lives because we're all going to the grave anyway. It doesn't really matter. But what if it's true? Like, what if Jesus really is bodily alive from the dead? What if it's really true? It's a question it would just be crazy to ignore, wouldn't it? If it's really true. It's a question that I had to face when I was a 21-year-old man flipping burgers and chicken at Chili's Grill and Bar. Order up! Order up! I couldn't get away from this question. There came a point in my life, influenced by somebody else, where I had to say, either I believe he's alive or I believe he's not really alive, and, and I believe he is alive from the dead. And if I believe he's alive from the dead, then that means I could not. I realized I could not live my way, my life the way I had always lived. I had to realize, you know, God wasn't going to grade me on some curve. 
It's like the measure of my life. If Jesus is really raised from the dead, if he's really bodily alive, I realize that the measure of my life would be whether I made Jesus the measure of my life. I got to tell you, I've been following Jesus for about 20 years now. It's been the hardest thing I've ever done. It has cost me things. I've had to give up things that I would not have ever given up had Jesus not called me if I weren't a Christian. It's been hard. It's been costly. But I'll tell you this. The joy I have experienced following Jesus outweighs any struggle I have ever experienced in my life. I've got purpose now. I know, I know who's risen from the dead. I know that he is alive. My, my life is completely changed now. You know, I asked some people this week, just random people. I said to them, uh, like, if you really knew, like really factually knew, you didn't have to just believe it, but you, you really knew that Jesus Christ was bodily alive from the dead. I said, how would you live? And you know what? Everybody said something like the same thing. They all said, I just wouldn't be afraid. Can you imagine that? No fear. You, you just live completely fearless. Somebody said that if I knew Jesus was really alive from the dead, then I, I, I would know that, that everything would be okay. Like I could really follow Jesus and do everything he said, and, and, and it would be okay. And man that's, man, that's what Easter is. I mean, Easter is the announcement that you and I, we actually can risk everything to follow this man and even if it causes us some suffering in the process, even as the martyrs will tell you, even if it gets you killed, that's okay. God will raise you. Death is not the worst thing that could ever happen to the follower of Jesus. We know that as of today, the, the world has really changed. It's really changed. You know, John really, in uh, the gospel, he really tries to get this point across and, and I love this. Uh, for those of you who haven't uh, really been here all that much, one of the things I love to do when I'm looking at the uh, Scriptures, I love to find things that maybe people haven't noticed and go, look at there, look at that. You see that? And there's something like this in this lesson this morning. Listen to this. Listen how John sets up the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, so it is at dawn. So it's a new day. And it's the first day of the week. So it's a new week. So we have a new day on a new week. And then you have Mary, who's referred to as woman. So Mary, the woman. And then she spots Jesus. And did anybody catch who she mistook him for? She thought he was the what? Gardener. Okay, so that means in John's gospel, we're in a garden. And she thought Jesus was the gardener. Now, hold on for a second. Now, put, let's put all this together. So it's a new day on a new week. We're in a garden, there's a man who is the gardener, and then there is a woman in the garden with him. What story of the Bible does this make you think of? Adam and Eve. This is the Genesis story. Said all over again. Think about it. Adam and Eve. Adam, who was the gardener, who brought death into the world. And now we've got Jesus, raised from the dead, the gardener who brings life into the world. Isn't that cool? Do you see what John's gospel is trying to say to us? 
Do you see what he's trying to say happened on Easter? It was the birth of an entirely new creation. This is Genesis done over again in Jesus. The challenge of Easter is not just believing that God raised a man from the dead, although that's a challenge. The challenge of Easter is believing that in Jesus, God has made a whole new creation. That a whole new world has come to be. That there has like sprouted from the earth, the way Jesus came out of the ground, there has sprouted from the earth, emerged within our world, this new world altogether. That's what John is saying. I mean, until Easter, it looked as if the powers of sin and fear and death got the last word as they always get the last word. I mean, on Good Friday, it looked as if Pilate was still in charge, that the bureaucracy was still in charge, that the moneylenders were still in charge, that the council of the high priest were still in charge. All of these powers that conspired last week to put Jesus to death. But when God raised Jesus from the dead, you know what God was saying? Hey, Pilate, you're not in charge anymore. The world does not belong to the bureaucracy and the moneylenders anymore. They thought they could call the shots. They don't anymore. That world that you thought you were in charge of, it is on the way out now. Oh, there's a new world now coming into this world. Man, that's what Easter means. If Jesus really is alive from the dead, then that means the entire creation has changed. Now, here's what I wish I could do. I wish I could just point it, point it out to you and go, see, don't you see it's right over there? Don't you see the new creation? It's right there. Or I wish I could get like a map, J.R.L. Tokens, you know, like Middle Earth. Like, don't you see it? It's right here. Don't you see the new creation? Isn't it plain and obvious? I can't do it. I cannot point to you where this new world is. You just got to step into it yourself. You have to enter it on your own. I love that Easter started at the dawn. Think about the dawn. Wait, what's going on at the dawn? You still got the darkness, right? But you also have some light that's coming in at the dawn. The entire course of your life and my life depends on whether we believe that the darkness still rules or whether we believe that the light has already emerged. It has come and it's on the way in. The new creation of Easter is not separate from this world. It's not like heaven and earth down here that they're separate. What John is trying to say is that God's new creation has, has kind of emerged. It has sprouted within our world. And it's up to you and it's up to me to determine which of these two worlds are we going to believe is really the reality. I mean, if Jesus is still dead, then that means the powers of death, the power of fear... Just grabbing everything you can while there's still time to protect yourself. That it's better to be a hammer than it is a nail. Then that's the real world. But if you really believe that Jesus Christ is bodily alive from the dead, then that world is false. 
The world of darkness is not the real world. That's a false world. It's on the way out. If you believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, then that means the true power of the world is mercy and hope and humility and service and generosity. If Jesus Christ is really alive from the dead, then that does mean that love really will triumph in the end. That love might look like it's suffering. Love might look like it's being defeated as Jesus was defeated. But if Christ really is bodily alive from the dead, then that means love will ultimately give and get the last world. That, that's, the, that's the real world if you believe that Jesus is alive from the dead. And if Jesus Christ is really alive from the dead, then that means the true world is the world of forgiveness. The real world is a world of forgiveness. I mean, I love this. Every time I come across this passage, it just always amazes me. Jesus appears to Mary. And then he says to Mary, he says, I want you to go and tell my brothers that I am going back to my God and to your God. And if I would have been Mary, I would have said, what? Brothers? Their God? After what they did to you? And yet God raised Jesus from the dead just so Jesus could say to the very disciples who left him for dead, I mean, who did things that were awful to him, just so Jesus could say to them, you are forgiven. That this God is still your God. Maybe some people in here, maybe you've done your denials of Jesus before. You've abandoned him, deserted him. Maybe you don't even care. But the good news of this day is that if you've done that, if you enter the new creation that has come today, you're forgiven. You can move on. God is yours. God is yours. I've got one last thing I'm going to say to you. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to, I'm going to take off my, uh, my preacher's hat. Set it over here. I'm going to put on my pastor's hat. So bear with me for just a second. I noticed when I was reading uh, this, this lesson, so you got, you got Peter, and then you got the other disciple, and uh, they come to the, to the tomb, and then they go home, which is kind of funny. You know, the tomb is empty. Oh, well, let's go home. Um, but then you've got Mary, who stays behind at the tomb, and, and what is Mary doing? She's weeping. She's weeping. And this spoke to me because what it said to me was there was weeping at Easter. There was weeping at Easter. Some of you have no idea uh, what has happened since the last time we had Easter here last year, but our church has suffered the loss of some very dear people to us since last Easter. And these were dear people dear members of the church, and if they weren't members of the church, then we had some families who are a part of our church who have lost some loved ones since last Easter, and it has been a tough year for a lot of people, and what, what I want to say to you today 
is that I've really been thinking about you this week and I have been praying for you this week. I bet on a day like this, all of us have somebody on our mind, someone we have loved dearly and have lost. We think about this and what I want to say to you that it's okay for you to weep on Easter. You can weep on Easter. God will honor your tears. But what I also want to say to you is Jesus is alive. God is not done with the person you're missing today. If Jesus Christ is really alive from the dead, then that means it's going to be okay. All really will be well. Maybe you didn't lose someone. Maybe you haven't had to attend a funeral since the last time you were at Easter last year. But maybe you've had a different kind of ending. Maybe you've lost a relationship. Maybe your marriage has ended. Maybe your job has ended. Maybe you've lost your health. Maybe there's just a part of yourself that's, that's died. And what I want to say to you is that Jesus is alive. God knows how to work with our endings. God knows how to take our dead ends and to create a way where there is no way. Jesus is alive. And I believe that's true. And if that's true, that means there is always hope. Always. My brothers and sisters, Christ is alive. Easter is true. And don't fritter away your life chasing things that will not last. Don't spend your time in the dark. There is a new day at hand. It is dawn. It may look like it's still dark out there, but the light is coming, and it's going to keep coming. Follow Him. Today, this God is your God. Hallelujah. Happy Easter, everyone. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Harrison Church. To stay connected to Harrison Happenings, please follow us on Facebook or Twitter at HarrisonUMC or online at HarrisonChurch.org.